Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. I am just still pumped about the fact that we're here and that we're together and that we get to worship together again. Man, um, we just needed this, needed this. And so I'm just so thankful God has been so good to us. He's seen us through these uh, last months. He's given us a building. Um, and uh, I know the best, like Rachel just said, the best is not just yet to come. The best is right here and right now. And I'm thrilled to be a part of it with you guys. Um, I, I hope things are going good. I hope that your fast is going good. I, I know we're like about mid, a little bit more than midway through the fast right now. We start every year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting, seeking God together, not just as a church, but as individuals, that God would grow us, that he would challenge us uh, in new ways. So I hope that you're going good. You're staying strong. You guys staying, staying strong? I'm seeing the faces of a lot of people who are not staying strong, right? How about you online? Are you staying strong? Are you getting through this? Because I want to let you know this, all right? Now hear me. If 2021 ends up like 2020, it's going to be because of you. <laughs> if you, you haven't been keeping up with us, and we have a database, and we know where you live, all right? I'm going to hold you personally responsible. No, just, just messing, obviously. No, 2021 is going to be an amazing year. You want to know how I know that? Because God's in it. Because God's in it. 2020 was an amazing year if you knew where to look. If we knew where to look, 2020 was an amazing year, and 2021 is going to be an amazing year because God is there and God is on the move. He's moving in our church already. I mean, we're just into January, and I'm already seeing how God is doing amazing, amazing things in our people, just personal stories, person after person, of how God's moving in their life, of how he is challenging them and changing them, and I'm just excited to be on this trip with you guys, this year of change where God is not just doing change through us as we look to change our community, as we look to better the city of Akron and Northeast Ohio and all of Ohio and the world. I mean, we've got Cornerstone family watching from all over the place. Uh, yeah, shout out to all of our people watching. We have, I don't know if you guys know this. We have Cornerstone family in places like Massachusetts, in Indiana. We have Cornerstone family in the Philippines. Like we, we are a global ministry in a lot of ways. We have people all over the place. And so thank you so much for, for being a part of us too and what God is doing here. Uh, again, not just through us, but in us. He is doing something in our hearts and I am just thrilled about it. Uh, he's doing something new. He's doing something new. Our word for the year, right? Uh, uh, there it is. I was like, wrong one. Now, now, he's doing something in us now. Uh, our verse for the year, uh, 2 Corinthians, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. It's here. The old is gone. The new is here. The new is here and now. And we are seeing God do the new right here and right now. And as long as we continue to embrace the values that we're talking about in this series, this is how we change the world. As long as we embrace these values, we're going to continue to see God move. We're gonna to continue to see him change our lives and change our hearts for the better. So if you've been with us, awesome. If you haven't, shame on you, shame on you. Uh, <laughs> but if you've been with us, we've been uh, in this series, this is how we change the world. We're looking at our core values, our, our, our statements of saying, hey, this is who we are. This is what makes Cornerstone cornerstone, right? This is, there are tons of great churches out there, amazing life-changing churches, but the things that we're talking about on these Sunday mornings, these are the things that make us uniquely 
cornerstone. These are our values. These are the hills that we are willing to die on. And so um, I really quickly just want to go through where we've been. We've looked at three of our core values so far. We're going to run through these real quick. Um, I want you to say, just the yellow part, I want you to say the titles with me. We're going to say these together. But here's the thing. We're not going to just like say them together. We're going to declare them together, okay? We're not saying it. We're not reading this like the syllabus, your first day of a a college course where it's like, hey, can someone read part two? And you, yeah, the papers need to be submitted online. I don't want you reading it like that. I want long live the king, university. No, no. I want you to declare it today. And if you're watching online, if you're sitting in a Starbucks, say it out loud. I don't care if you look weird. I want you to declare this along with us, okay? So here we go. Number one, Long live the king. Ooh, wow, that was good. I felt it. I felt that one. That was good. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about Jesus. We are here to make Jesus famous and follow where he leads. Every other core value hinges on that one. Every other core value hinges on that one. Core value number two, unity is our calling card. We want to be known for what we are for, not what we are against. If we just do that, we're going to look different in this world, right? If we just do that, we're going to look different in this world. Number three, second mile generosity. Our time, talent, and treasure are cheerfully given to expand the kingdom of God and to impact our community. So that's where we've been. We've been through those three. Uh, we're going to be looking at number four today. But before we get to it, I want to let you know we're going to be in the book of James. So if you have a, a physical Bible, you can start turning to the book of James. We're going to be in chapter two today. Or if you've got a you know, version app or a Bible app, you can look it up. If not, don't worry. Words will be up on the screen. Um, but while you're getting there, while you're typing it in or turning your pages to James chapter two, I want to ask you really quickly, is it okay if I talk about the Browns one more time? Is that? All right. Okay. Because I just, I'm, I'm hoping you're saying okay because I'm going to talk about them regardless. Because <laughs> diehard Browns fan, we went 11-5, and five, beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Like just, there's just so much going on. You guys are lucky I'm just talking about them one more time. And I'm not preaching the sermon in full Browns uniform with a helmet right now. Because like, I, I just, I want to get as much out of this season as I can and it's like, it's done now. Like we, they, they lost last week to uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs and it was a heartbreaker. So like I'm, I'm getting the last little bits out of this season while I can because I can't talk about them again until like September. So it's hard for me. Pray for your pastor, all right? Um, I wanna talk about the Browns real quick. Uh, if you've followed them at all this year, you know that whenever they made the playoffs, the, the like excitement and the energy around them making the playoffs was sucked out of the room with the news that their coach, their head coach, and their play caller, uh, Kevin Stefanski, had contracted COVID-19, right? Like the day after they won, it came out in the news, coach has caught this, he's not gonna be able to coach. Like he, he's not even allowed to be at the stadium, he's gonna have to stay at his house back in Ohio. And that was just like shattering news, right? So he has to stay at home and he's, um, he's not just at home, he's quarantined in his basement at home. He's not even upstairs with his family. So he's at home and he's getting ready to watch this big game. He's getting ready to watch this playoff game. And so he's down in the basement. And if you know the playoff game, what happened, unless you've been living under a rock, first play of the game, first play of the game, uh, uh, Pittsburgh has a bad snap, goes into the end zone, the Browns recover it, and it's a touchdown. Five seconds into the game, the score is seven, nothing Cleveland. Like this is just insanity. 
So Coach Stefanski is downstairs getting ready to watch this. He has his phone turned off. It's like not even receiving anything because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want any interruptions. He wants to just be able to focus on the game. So as his phone turned off, um, all of a sudden he starts hearing yelling upstairs. Like he's, he's getting ready for the game and he's just sat down, turned it on, kickoff is going. He hears yelling upstairs and yeah, yeah. And he's like, what is going on? His TV is like on a 30 second delay from what his family is watching upstairs. So he's like, what is going on? Then all of a sudden he sees the fumble. He's like, oh, no, are you, are you kidding me? This is crazy. So after that excitement, he said it kind of washed over him that this is gonna be unbearable watching this game because I'm gonna be hearing noises upstairs before I know what's going on. I'll hear them going like, oh, no, and I'll be down here. No, what's, go, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen, right? He said it was awful, and he said the whole experience, he talked to a journalist after the game, he said the whole experience of watching that game gave him a completely new respect for fans. He said, I gotta tell you, I have a completely new respect for our fans because that was brutal. <laughs> Watching this game and having no say in the outcome, no say in what's happening, that was difficult for me. He said, I like to have some kind of control on what's going on. I like to know that my hard work and that my preparation can go into affecting the outcome of the game. I couldn't stand just sitting there and watching. With that in mind, let's turn to James chapter two. We're gonna start in verse 14 read down through verse 17, and then jump ahead a few verses. This is what James uh, uh, says. This is uh, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 20, you foolish person. James is not sugarcoating this for us. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. So you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Pray with me wherever you're at real quick. Heavenly Father, your word is perfect, and I am not. Please help me to get out of the way so that I can communicate clearly and effectively today, and that people would not be hearing Pastor Jacob, but they would be hearing your words speaking to their heart. We love you, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, core value number four that we are looking at today, core value number four is workers, not Watchers, Say it with me, workers, not watchers. Fulfilling God's purpose in our lives comes from working on the field, not watching from the sidelines. You see, Coach Stefanski, whenever he was watching the game, you know what he got? He got the itch. <laughs> he got the itch. He got the itch to do something. He got the itch to be out there. He knew he was not where he was supposed to be. 
He knew he was not where he was supposed to be. He's sitting back home in, in, in Berea, just sitting in his basement watching this game. He got the itch because he knew he was not where he was supposed to be. And there are some of you in here today, there are some of you watching online, and I gotta tell you, I am praying you get itchy today. <laughs> I'm praying you get itchy. I pray that as we're talking today, I start looking out and seeing you, you know, kind of scratching a little bit, right? I pray if you're watching online, you start to get itchy because there are some of us, and please understand, I'm not condemning you, but there are some of us who are not where we are supposed to be. We're just not where we're supposed to be. And so just like the coach, I hope you get the itch today. Because your place is not on the sidelines. Your place is not on your couch. Your place is not sitting in a seat. Your place, my place, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, our place is on the field. It's on the field. It is working, not watching. Anyone can watch. Anyone can watch. But being a difference maker, being a change agent, being an agent of transformation, that does not happen unless you're working. It doesn't happen through watching. It doesn't happen passively. It happens through intentional action, through working. And those difference makers, the people who make a difference, the people who do change things for the better, those people all know that. They're people who live on the field. (laughs) They're people who felt that itch and they responded to it. They have got themselves on the field and they are working. They're workers, not watchers. So I wanna ask you today, as we kind of set out on this, this is rhetorical, so don't say it out loud, But I wanna ask you today, are you working or are you watching? Are you working or are you watching? If you're watching online, are you working? I know you're watching, but (laughs) are you working too? (laughs) Are you working or are you watching? Now, if you're working and I'm looking in this room and I see some workers, I see some incredible workers in this room. If you are working, can I just say thank you Thank you. The mission of Cornerstone, the fact that we are here, the fact that this building is not where we're gonna stay, that we're gonna have a different building, the fact that the building doesn't even matter, that we are reaching people for Jesus and we are seeing people find the Father, find a family, and have a fulfilling future is because you work. Because you work. You're not content to just sit by and watch. You're not content to just be passive. You get your hands in the dirt and in the mud and you work and you love people and you sacrifice and you give and you serve. And Cornerstone is what it is today because of you. So if you are a worker, thank you. (laughs) And I mean that, thank you. And if you are a watcher, hear me now. There is no condemnation for you. Zero. Zero. So if at any point in today's sermon, you're feeling like, man, I feel like I'm being judged, man, that is the devil lying to you because there is no condemnation here. No condemnation if you are a watcher. So throughout this sermon, I will not condemn you, but you better believe I will be challenging you. You have too much within you to just sit by and be a watcher. There's too much at stake. Things are way too important and you are way too valuable to just sit by and watch, and watch ministry happen, and watch God move. We need to work. We need to work. No condemnation, but there will be a challenge. Are you ready? Are you ready for the challenge? If you're ready, let me know. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to be challenged? I'm ready for God to challenge me. Let me know in the comments if you're ready. I am ready for the challenge that God has for us this year. And here's the thing, you need challenged. 
You need challenge. Even if you are a worker, you need challenge because guess what? Watching is fun. <laughs> Watching's fun. It's intoxicating. Whenever we just watch something, whenever we just kind of sit by passively, there is something about it that's intoxicating because watching sells us a lie that way too often we fall for. It sells us a lie that we way too often fall for. And again, that's not just watchers, it's workers too. Workers too, because guess what? You wanna know one of the biggest issues facing the church right now, not just Cornerstone Church, the big C church? Volunteers. Every church in the country Mega church to small country church are having a hard time getting volunteers to come back. You wanna know why? Watching is fun. Watching is easy. Volunteers are going, hold, hold up. I've had a full year of being able to just chill at home, be in my PJs, turn on a channel and worship, just, just doing that and do nothing else. Like, and do nothing else. And now you're wanting me to suddenly come back to a building. And now you're suddenly wanting me to watch kids during the 9 a.m. service. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I will be worshiping from home, thank you very much. Like, you want me to work with teenagers? You want me to serve in the tech booth? You want me to run cameras? You... No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to greet anybody at 9 a.m. I want to greet a cup of coffee and my slippers. And that's what I want to greet. I don't want to do this thing. Because watching it's fun. Watching is intoxicating. There is a draw. There is an allure to watching. You want to know one of the most successful things on the internet right now is uh, uh, like Twitch. Have you guys ever heard of Twitch? Streaming. It's like this thing that people do where they'll stream themselves playing video games or doing something else. Video games is the big one though. People will go on there like um, uh, Ninja. He's a I'm seeing a lot of blank stares right now. People are like, we're talking about ninjas and twitches and uh, what's going, what is going on? Uh, there, there's a professional gamer. His name is Ninja. That's what he like, his code name, I guess, or something. But he, he, he'll broadcast himself playing Fortnite. He'll broadcast himself playing Call of Duty on Twitch. He'll stream it. Millions of people will tune in. That's not an exaggeration. Literal millions of people will tune in to watch him play a game. Many of these people have never played the game themselves, but they'll tune in by the millions and sit for hours and watch people they do not know play a game. On one hand, I'm like, that sounds insane. <laughs> but then I remember when I was a little kid and when I was younger, whenever I was 10 and 11 and 12, because I, I just gotta say, I know games today, the graphics and stuff are incredible. I grew up in the golden age of video games. It was the high republic of video games. It was incredible. Like, it was just a glorious time when I, I, was, I was born in 87, so I still had like one toe in the original Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, all that, but I also got to experience like the Nintendo 64 and PlayStation and PlayStation 2, so I was like, I had the best of both worlds, and it was just a fantastic time to be a kid, right? It was just awesome. And my one friend, Eric White, he's actually part of our extended C family, Eric and Alexis in Indiana. If you guys are watching, what's up? Missy guys. They, uh, uh, Eric, he had a Nintendo 64. And whenever I was growing up, 
Eric was like my idol. Still is in a lot of ways. Love Eric. Eric, just an amazing, amazing guy. He was older than me. He would come over and hang out a ton and he would bring his Nintendo 64 and he had a game which, in my opinion, one of the greatest games of all time. It's always listed near the top. The Legend of Zelda, the Orcarina of Time. Such a good game. And it's, it's just like a mind-blowing game because every game before it was pretty much just the whole like, there's 10 levels, once you beat it, the game's just done. Like, that's it. And this game is like a big story, and there's all these like side quests and everything like that, and the, the graphics, it was just, it was crazy. Just a, a groundbreaking game. And Eric would bring it over, and he would play it, and I, I just got sucked into watching it. Just watching him play, like seeing the story unfold, seeing him beat different levels and going around the, the country of Hyrule and all this stuff. Like, this is so cool, this is awesome. But just completely geeking out, right? Multiple times when Eric would come over, he would ask me, do you want to play? Because we'd be sitting there for like hours, right? Order pizza, play some more, order pizza, play some more. You want to know I never played? Eric offered multiple times, multiple times. I'm, no, 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 I'm good. I just, I like watching. I'm good. I like watching. I never played the game. And I've kind of realized what it is. I've realized the allure of watching people play games, me watching Eric, people signing on Twitch to watch this guy play Fortnite. You know what the allure of this is? You know why watching is so intoxicating? When we watch, there is an illusion of investment without the pain of playing. There's this illusion that, man, I'm invested. I'm a part of this. And yeah, I'm a part of this. This is so great. This is awesome what's going on. But I never have to actually put in the like pain of, wait, what button does what? Oh, I died again. Man, this game is hard. Like, wait, what do I do? Where do I go? I can't beat this love. I get to have the investment, this illusion that, I, man, I'm a part of this without the pain of ever playing, without any sacrifice to ever learn how to do it. And there are a lot of us where that's where we're at in our spiritual walk. We are watching and we are getting this illusion that we are invested in what God is doing at Cornerstone, but we've never played the game. We've never played, we have never picked up a controller, never really got our hands in the dirt. The illusion investment without the pain of playing. You wanna know, that's why, why do you think reality TV is such a big thing? Why do you think that's such a big thing? I mean, think about it. Years ago, the real world kind of kicked everything off. It's the OG of reality TV shows, right? The, the real world. And it was like the only one. Now, it's easier to find reality shows than it is to find scripted shows. Like, you'll see a scripted show every now and then, but generally speaking, it's all, I mean, it's all reality. It's, it's reality. All these guys go and try to sell stuff, and these people live here, and these, these housewives are crazy, and it's, it's, just all, it's just all reality. It's all reality because we feel like we're friends with these people. Oh, yeah, th this lady, she's crazy. She's so funny. Oh, yeah, that's just like me. We get this illusion that we're invested in these people's lives, that we're a part of what's going on. We've never met them. <laughs> We've never hung out with them. We haven't actually ever played a part in what's going on, but we feel like we're invested, even though we've done nothing. It's the draw of reality television. Can I, can I get real out to you for a second? It's the draw of reality church. It's the draw of reality church. Don't get me wrong, I love ministries that I follow online. Pastor Stephen Furtick is a pastor to me. I've never met the man. I've never met him. He's a pastor to me. I, I get so much out of his ministry. Pastor Andy Stanley is a pastor to me. I've never met him. Well, I have met him, but I haven't, we're not like 
we're not dudes. Like I'm not hitting up Andy for ideas for my sermon, right? Like, but, but like he, he pastors me. Pastor Mike Todd, Transformation Church, he pastors me. Uh, uh, you know, th- these guys, these are people that I look at and I follow their ministries and I'm like, man, that's, that's such good stuff. That's so, that's so strong. They, they pastor me, but I've never met them. I'm not a partner in what their church is doing. And so many of us, man, we got podcast after podcast lined up of what God is doing in all these other churches and we'll listen and we'll watch, but we're not invested. We're not invested in what's going on. We're, we're, we're watching church, <laughs> we're watching worship, but we're not actually doing anything. And many of us, we've watched these churches and we've never done anything to invest in their ministries. We've watched this church and we've never done anything to invest in the ministry because we're, we're watchers, we're not workers. We've never picked up the controller. We've never gotten our hands in the dirt. We gotta be a part. <laughs> we gotta actually be a part of what God is doing. He has called us to be workers in the kingdom, to be co-laborers of bringing his kingdom, the kingdom of God, into actuality today. And please, I want you, I want you to so understand what this is. Do not think for one second that what I'm talking about today is a call for help for the church. You can get out of here with that. If you come in here and you're, you're hearing me talk and you think, oh, man, they must be hard up for volunteers. Oh, this is, this is the Sunday where they need volunteers, right? It's coming out of the, 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 the uh, pandemic and they need people to help out. If you think this is about us getting help for the church, you are sorely mistaken. Because becoming a worker, not a watcher, has nothing to do with helping the church. It has to do with helping yourself. It is about what it does in your heart, what it does to you. The church, man, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. The church has withstood a lot more than a volunteer crisis. Are you kidding me? The gates of hell can't overcome it. So if someone not signing up to volunteer and see kids is not suddenly gonna bring the whole thing crashing down. Like that's not, that's not gonna do it. So understand what this is. This is not helping the church. This is helping yourself. If you are simply a watcher, you are not experiencing the full breadth of what Jesus has in mind for you. You just aren't. You just aren't. Listen again to what James says Verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, does nothing, what good is it? What good is a faith like that? You see, if we are a watcher, if we are a watcher, we are not obeying Jesus, we're observing Jesus. We're just observing what he's doing in other people's lives, observing what he's doing in other churches, observing what he's doing in the world around me, but never actually obeying him and letting him do something in me. Never actually obeying him and listening to him and letting him transform my life. If you're observing Jesus, and this is, this is why it is so utterly important whenever I say this is not about the church, getting help for the church, it's about getting help for you. This is why it is so important that if you are a watcher, you break out of that, you become a worker because being a watcher, it will do things to you. Whether you wanna admit it or not, it will do things to you. And as I talk through some of these, you might be going, crap, that's me. (laughs) Like that's, shoot, yeah, that kind of hits the nose on the head. This is what happens whenever we observe Jesus, whenever we watch what people do. Observing Watching, it creates cynics who don't know what's going on, critics with no skin in the game, and consumers who think it's just a club for them. That's what happens when we observe. And there, you, you very well may be one or all of those. 
right? You're, you're someone who, you're, you're a cynic. Every time the church starts a new ministry, every time we do something, it's, well, why do we need that? Well, what's that about? Well, why are they putting their money here? Why are they investing in that? Man, you're never here. You don't know why we need that. You're not involved in anything. Like, how, how would you know? How would you know? Get here and be a part of it. Well, man, why is the church doing that? What, what's that about? If you were here, you'd probably know. If you were more involved, you'd probably know. No wonder you're a cynic because you're a watcher. You don't work. Of course you're a cynic. Watching creates critics, people who have no skin in the game, no skin in the game, so they just criticize everything that happens. They think everything's a bad idea. They think everything is stupid, and, and why would we do that? Because you just, you just criticize. It creates consumers who think that this is just some kind of social club. What can you do for me? What kind of Bible studies do you have for me? What kind of groups do you have for me? What kind of music are you guys gonna sing for me? If you don't hit all my needs, I'm out because I'm just a consumer. That's what happens when you are simply a watcher. You become a cynic, a critic, a, con uh, a consumer. But when you work, when you work, you break those mindsets. You break the, those holds that those, those views have on your heart. Whenever you work, you become a cheerleader. Whenever you work, whenever you're a part of something, you go from the person who, who criticizes it, who's a cynic about it, oh, this group, that's stupid. Why do we even need that group? If you're char in charge of a group, suddenly you're the biggest cheerleader for that thing. Like, hey, we need more people. We need more people to come. We need more people to come and be a part of this, right? That's just how it works. If, if you're a critic, and you, you become a creator instead, suddenly you're starting a group, you're saying, hey, do we have, do we have anything at Cornerstone for, for connecting with people who are in prisons, like a letter writing ministry? No, okay, I'll do it, I'll, I'll do that. Do we have any kind of group for people who are battling depression or anxiety, do we, we don't? Okay, I'll, I'll do something. Whenever you do that, you become a creator. You're not, you don't have time to criticize other people. You don't have time to criticize what's going on in the church because you're busy doing the work. You're busy doing the work. And if you're a consumer, man, you become a contributor, it just changes. It changes. Whenever you are invested in something, whenever you're working on something, if you have skin in the game, everything changes. We, uh, me and Jessica, we, we rented for a really long time. Uh, whenever we first got married, we, we rented apartments. And then uh, uh, the old associate pastor at Cornerstone, Jeff Hanna, he had a house and he let us rent that out. And it's crazy because, like, you know, we're, we're, we're clean people. We like things to look nice. We take pride in, in, in ourselves and in our environment. But there was something about the fact that we were renting this house that we did like the bare minimum of making it look like really nice. Like we didn't hang up tons of pictures. We didn't like decorate like crazy because we were renting. Like we were renting. It just, it wasn't our house. Even something like mowing the lawn, it was just such a chore. I'm like, oh my gosh, mowing, I don't wanna mow, like I don't wanna even do this. Now that we have a house that we pay a mortgage on monthly, it's amazing how that has changed. We're meticulous. Like I am out there, like the, the whole lawn thing is like a day for me. I'm like, I'm mowing, I'm weed whacking, I'm, I'm leaf blowing, like I'm doing, I'm like I'm seeding, I'm doing everything, right? Because I have skin in the game, I'm invested. And it's amazing how my outlook about the house changed when I went from renting to owning. And you will be amazed at how your heart and your mindset changes when you go from being a watcher to a worker. You will be shocked about the things that you suddenly care about, the things you're excited about, the things that make you happy and get you pumped up. Everything will change. Break those mindsets by working. The work is for you. It's for you. 
Again, this is not for Cornerstone. This is for you to become more and more like Jesus. So work. So get to work. Your faith needs it. It needs it. I'm a, I'm a big oxymoron fan. They, I don't know. They just kind of make me laugh. Oxymorons, right? It's a, a, like a figure of speech that's a contradiction in terms. That's what an oxymoron is, like um, a jumbo shrimp, right? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> jumbo shrimp. Uh, act natural, like you can't act natural. Or uh, the, the, the living dead. Like these are, these are oxymorons. And whenever I look, and I want to, what's, what's like in the chat? Why don't you put one of your favorite oxymorons so I can use it later <laughs> in another sermon I do on oxymorons. Um, but as I look at oxymorons, I think about that, and I look at Scripture, I'm like, James, like, introduces one to us. Inactive faith. It's a contradiction of terms. They do not go together. That, they don't work together. <laughs> they are complete polar opposites. Inactive faith. Again, this is how James words it. This is James 2, 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Dead. Look at verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without, faith without deeds is useless? Think about those terms for a moment. Dead. Useless. That is the description of a faith that has no action to go with it. Dead and useless. Whenever you look at the original Greek for those words, they literally mean obsolete, worn out, good for nothing. Does anyone in this room, does anyone online, do you want that to be a descriptor of the faith that you have? Worn out, obsolete, good for nothing, dead, useless. Faith without works is an oxymoron. It doesn't exist they don't go together. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, well, I, no, I do, have, I do have faith. Maybe I just haven't been, you know, working. I do have faith. I, I think there's a confusion between faith and belief. I think there's a confusion here, and we kind of need to clear that up because I, I do believe tons of people believe in Jesus, but they don't have faith in Jesus. And there is a difference. Those words are not interchangeable. Because just take this for an example. I, I can have a fear of flying. Do we have any people who are Petrified to fly. <laughs> One lonely, I see you, Anne-Marie. <laughs> it, it can be scary. Flying can be scary, right? And you can believe with your entire heart. You can believe, you know what? This plane is obviously well put together. It just completed a flight to get here. <laughs> like it's, it's fine. Like, I, I believe this is true. I believe the plane is flying. I believe the pilot is competent and he knows what he's doing. You can believe that all day and still not fly. Still be petrified. But if you have faith in that plane, <laughs> if you have faith in the process that got it built, the, 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 the engineering that went to figure this thing out, faith in that and faith in the pilot, that this man is competent and he knows what he's doing and he's trained and, and this woman, she, she can do this and I, I have faith in them. If you have faith, you'll get on the plane. Because there's something deeper than just belief. There is trust. It's not just knowledge then. It's, no, I'm actually putting my trust in this process. I'm putting my trust in these people. So there is a difference between believing in Jesus and having faith in Jesus. Because you can believe fully in Jesus and see virtually no change in your life. You can believe 
fully in Jesus, believe he died and rose again, believe he was the son of God, believe that, that he has uh, instituted a new kingdom. You can believe that with all your heart. You can fully believe in Jesus and see virtually no change in your life because belief is not the same as faith. Faith without works doesn't exist. It's obsolete. It, 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 it's, it's a contradiction of terms. There is no faith without works. Faith is works. Faith is works. Faith is expressed through works, through loving people, through following Jesus, through following his commands. Faith is works. Think about me. Think about me as, as your pastor. What if I got up here and preached this kind of stuff, preached faith, preached believing in God and trusting in God and dedicating yourself to him, and then I showed it in none of my actions. The second I'm done preaching, I'm out. I'm not engaging in worship, right? You guys somehow find my giving records and you see I've never given or I like just occasionally tip God. You would be thinking there are some serious issues. This dude's a used car salesman. He doesn't believe, he doesn't, he's not drinking his own Kool-Aid. <laughs> like this guy does not believe what he's selling. You would think something is wrong there because we know at a gut level, faith is works. Faith is works. They go together hand in hand. We have got to work. We've got to work. Stop watching and start working. In the last moments we have together, I want to real quick, does anyone have Netflix? Netflix subscribers? See the hands going up uh, online? Any, any Netflix uh, subscribers? One thing that's kind of interesting is Netflix has actually experienced a slow, uh, a, like a slowening in, or slow growth, I guess. Slowening, is that a word? Yes, I've just coined that, slowening. They've experienced this big, like just downturn in their growth. They were expecting really big numbers towards the end of 2020 in the fourth quarter and they just weren't getting it um, and it was kind of unexpected. And people have been trying to figure out what's the reasoning for that. Um, and so they're thinking maybe it's, you know, like Disney Plus because they, they came into the picture. Maybe it's Amazon Prime getting some new titles. Maybe it's The Office getting ready to leave Netflix and people are dumping it. There, there's a whole lot of reasons that they've been thinking, but I think I've got it. I think I know why people have started dumping Netflix, why their growth has slowed down. Now, this is just me. Like I didn't find any articles backing it up, but this is what I think. People drop Netflix because they were getting convicted. They're getting convicted, and this is why. If you've ever watched Netflix, and you've watched for an extended period of time, <laughs> what little alert pops up on your screen? Come on, you've seen it. Are you still watching? <laughs> All the ashamed people are like, I've never seen that before. No, I only watch one episode and turn it off. Yeah, right. We've all seen it. If you have Netflix, you have seen that pop up. Are you still watching? Are you still watching? This is a crazy thing. I actually just saw this. There's an article posted six days ago saying Netflix is actually considering dumping that feature or changing it radically because enough people have complained about it making them feel bad. Kid you not. People feeling like, hey, look, I don't need you parenting me, telling me, I'll let you know when I'm done. Like, I'll let you know when I'm done watching. You just keep playing until I say otherwise, all right? But they're considering dumping it because people are feeling convicted. And like I said earlier, man, I don't want you to feel condemned today. That's the last thing I want. But I do wanna ask you, are you still watching? Are you, like, are you still watching? 
after everything God has done in your life, after every time he's knocked on your heart, after everything that has pulled you, the, the itch you might be feeling right now, after all of that, are you still watching? Man, it's time to work. It's time to work. Stop watching. Get involved. Get involved in what God is doing in the church and in the world. Stop watching. You want to know what um, Coach Stefanski, at the end of the game, they, they were uh, talking to him and uh, a few players on the team were sending him text messages congratulating him after the Browns won. Um, and Jarvis Landry, one of the wide receivers, called him on FaceTime. And so the Browns are all there. They're all in the locker room just going crazy, right? I mean, think about it. This is 20 plus years of frustration, of being a doormat, of being kicked and being the butt of every joke when it comes to the NFL. Just all of that, just put to death in this one moment with this just thorough beating of their arch rivals. And there's just celebration and people have been there for years. I mean, literal grown men crying. Like we finally got over this hump. We're finally get to experience what this is like. And they're crying and they're popping champagne and it's crazy. And Coach Stefanski is watching it all from FaceTime. And as excited as he was in that moment, he was telling his players and he told a journalist afterwards, he said, man, I, I gotta tell you, I was, I was thrilled for the team. I was thrilled for my guys, but man, I wish I could have been there. I hate that I had to watch that happen. You get where I'm going with this, right? Life change is happening here at Cornerstone. People are coming out of death into life. They are finding the father. They're connecting to a family, maybe the only family that they really know and they are moving into a fulfilling future. They're actually seeing, hey, I actually have hope for tomorrow. I, I can actually look to tomorrow in the days ahead and have joy and have purpose and have a sense of like, I know what I'm, I'm doing. People are coming to that. And if you are watching, you are missing it. You're missing it. You're FaceTiming into what's going on saying, God, I wish I could have been there. Man, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have experienced this. Stop watching. Get to work you will not regret it. You won't. I don't have a single person, I, Pastor Brenda can say it too. We don't know of people who come in and say, man, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset that I started working. I'm upset that I started trusting God with my time and with my finances and with my energy. And I, I'm upset about it because I'm, I'm not seeing change happen. I'm not changing and I'm not seeing change here. It doesn't happen. No regrets. Stop watching, start getting to work. And that's what today is all about, Stewardship Sunday. When you came in, if you're here in person, you have these cards on your seat. If you're watching online, the host is gonna be posting a digital version of this card online. Stewardship Sunday, this is all about becoming a worker, not a watcher. About inviting, about giving, about serving. That's what it means to be a steward here at Cornerstone, connecting. These are all important things here at Cornerstone. When you become a steward, you're essentially saying, look, I understand this is not a social club. <laughs> this, is, this is an actual move of God that I wanna be a part of and I wanna do the work. I don't wanna just watch it from afar. I wanna be a part of what God is doing here. So if you feel that, if you felt that itch today, if you felt that itch and you know your place is on the field, not on the sidelines, I encourage you to fill this thing out. Fill it out. All, all we ask, name, email, phone number, address, blood type, and social security number. That's it. Nothing else. 
nothing else. <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. <laughs> Just a way to <clears throat> connect you to what's going on in the life of the church and get you involved in the work, get you involved in what God is actually doing here. You don't wanna miss it. You don't wanna miss it. So in these next moments, the worship team is gonna be leading us uh, in one last song. And while they do that, I ask that you would take this card, not just fill it out, put it in so you look good on Sunday and then you have every intention of not connecting with us again. I actually want you to truly pray over this in the next moments. And if you're online, pray over the card. Pray over it and ask God, God, how can I make myself available to you? How can I make myself available to the work that you're doing in the world so I can partner with you and I can be a co-laborer of what you're doing in the world? And this just isn't for new people. If you're already a steward at Cornerstone, we want you to sign up again, just a recommitment. It's just a recommitment saying, yep, I'm still here and I'm still about the work. I'm still about the work. I still got my hands in the mud. I'm, I'm still grabbing the controller. I'm still doing the work. I've, I'm the lead pastor and I've got my card signed out. Make that commitment. If you're watching online, make that commitment today to once and for all say, no, I'm putting my watching days to death and I'm gonna start working. Fill this thing out as the band sings. Father, that is the cry of our heart today that we would be available to you, to what you would do in our hearts and in our lives. God, we want you to have the throne of our heart. We want to join in what you are doing in the world and what you're doing in us, how you're changing us and how you're transforming us. And God, we know that how that happens is through work. It's not just by sitting passively on the sidelines and watching others worship and watching others work and watching others trust you and watching others sacrifice. That's not how this thing happens. God, you want us to trust you. You want us to be your co-laborer. How amazing and how beautiful is that? That you want to work with us and in us and through us. God, let that be our declaration today that we would put to death our watching ways, that we would stop observing Jesus and we would start obeying him, that we would become workers on the field. God, I ask anyone who is feeling that itch today that they responded to it, that they responded to it, that they know that you wanna do something amazing in them, but it's only gonna start when they stop watching. Work in their hearts, Jesus, and work in our hearts. Anyone who is currently working, that we would be faithful, that we would continue to be following you everywhere that we call, that we would continue to be available for you to use us any way that you can. We love you so much, Father. And we will give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise that nobody else deserves but you. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. And everyone said in agreement, amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.